Bears Nation, Bears Nation, Bears got the win, 23-20, Bears Nation, welcome to Barroom Network, this is Bear Football, and we are celebrating a Bears victory, John, we can always fix things after a W, but joining us, my brother in Christ, my brother in Bears football, from Buffon 55, blood and soul for this team, John Buffon, how you doing, brother? Hey, feeling pretty good, Gaines, you know what, like we always say, it's much better to, uh, criticize a team or go over the improvements with a team after a win. So <laughs> they got that. They got a W. They beat a team they were supposed to beat. And then you can build on that, hopefully. John, I ain't going to lie. I was worried. <laughs> <laughs> John, I'm like, John, it's three minutes left. Yeah. How is this show going to go? But, John, like, what? instant reaction from you, brother. It's a reaction. Cool. When I when I saw Joe Thomas not pick up that fumble inside the ten yard line, I'm like, oh god, is that gonna be the is that gonna be the play we're talking about? Is that what's gonna come back and bite the Bears in the ass? But you know what? They came out. They did what they had to do. Roquan saves the day. Made a pretty good case for himself today. Tackling machine, by the way. Uh, but uh, you know, puts his stamp on at the end of the game. The Bears are able to get a W. Uh, and like like we've said, uh, like we said in week one. This is sometimes a game that you just assume that the, the Bears of past years were going to lose. There's just nothing was working or it looked ugly, and the Bears never were able to win ugly. Well, they definitely won ugly today. Uh, certainly some things to, to clean up, but at the end of the day, they're 2-1, and one, uh, which is right. more than what most of the national pundits uh, were, were giving this team. So uh, I will say that, you know, they were playing the Texans. The Texans look like they're – Pretty, they're worse off than the Bears are right now. Uh, but the Bears, they did what they had to do. They 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 won. Uh, the defense made some nice adjustments, I think, in the second half. They were they were um, flooding to the ball a little bit better. Uh, and I, overall, you're not thrilled with the performance, but you're happy they come out uh, at home with a win. John, you hit it right on the head, my guy. Um, Roquan Smith saves the, saves the day. And so when we talk about a whole week of non-practicing, is Roquan Smith going to make a business decision and not play with the hip? But we saw Roquan um, making tackles in the backfield and then the game-saving um, tackle to win the game. You see what I mean? But joining us, ladies and gentlemen, from Draft on Tap, our, our, our favorite freaking scout, Danny Shimon. Brother, what is your instant reaction to the game? Well, uh, my, my reaction is a win's a win, man. I, I know people are talking about uh, uh, this was an ugly win. Like, NFL, I said last week, uh, every week, uh, you know, we go out there, you never know what's going to happen. I think the Colts uh, just beat the Chiefs maybe. So, I mean, it's it, you know, every given Sunday, it's an old phrase, old term, but anything can happen. But as of right now, I, I'll take the win. But, I mean, there's definitely things to be concerned about. And, and you know, I'm you know, fair and foremost one of the bigger Justin Fields fans here. I still have a lot of faith in this kid, but – something's not clicking offensively something is not clicking right now the bears are actually a running football team they're a team that that, that can looks like they could run the football on almost any defense in the nfl so far within three weeks and um that's what i would just build on build on the, the rushing attack i know it's not pretty and honest i want the fans want to see they want to see fields out there throwing the ball and spreading it all over the field but you know it's, it's going to be a progress and i've said this i'm treating this as a rookie year for justin fields and you know right now he just it looks like he's a little you know, hesitant, a little, little maybe confused, uh, not not sure of himself, playing with a lack of confidence is, is what I, I would probably just say it. But, uh, you know, like some of these throws where we just were here on the screen right now, I was like, you know, the, the one to to Mooney was was really just like overshot him right into the hands of, of Jalen Petrie. 
Uh, the one right there to commit was was not more of like a line drive. Doesn't get put much touch, much further on it. Just tells me that, that he doesn't have the confidence right now to be able to drop those balls in these tight coverages. And uh, and, and until that gets resolved, it, it's going to be a, a, an offensive game plan. It's going to be pretty pretty boring, and, and we're going to have to have the defense come up and make plays. Today, three turnovers by the defense. That, that's that's the, the you know what they preach here: create turnovers, give you uh, opportunity, offense a chance with a short field to score some points, and you know that's what happened today. Um, Danny, I want to just say I relate with you, and Aldo kind of spoke to it during our halftime show. If if the running the ball works, if, if it's not broken, don't fix it. But I'm with John in passing situations. Our quarterback has to be able to pass the ball to keep the defense honest. But at the same time, the most rushing yards that we've had in over like 20 plus years, I'll just say that Chicago Bears freaking almost 300 yards rushing the ball. John, with David Montgomery going out and Khalil Herbert stepping in and not missing the beat, how big was Khalil Herbert to the um, offenses today? Well, I think this is a guy that I think Bears fans and the Bears organization have a lot of confidence in. He right, he ran the ball twenty times for one hundred and fifty-seven yards and two touchdowns. I mean, that's a that's a pretty phenomenal performance. And then you go through the line, and Justin Fields had forty-seven yards rushing. Uh, St. Brown had forty-three yards on two rushes. Uh, Ebner had twenty-three yards off of seven carries, and before he went out, Montgomery had eleven yards on uh, on three carries so uh obviously this is a running team and they're gonna have to run the ball uh but at the same time you're not playing the texans every week and, right. and so eventually you're if you if you're if they're dedicated to win the ball uh, winning the game and they're going to have this conservative approach, they are going to have to eventually open it up a little bit because they're not going to be playing Davis Mills every week they're not going to be playing the texans run defense every week so right. um at, at some point you're going to have to see a change or an adjustment where the, the pay, they can get something going with the passing game. And I'm not, I'm not here to put hundred percent of the blame on anyone. I mean, it, right. is it play calling probably a little bit? Is it Justin Fields a little bit? Is it the, is it the weapons around him? Absolutely. Uh, so line. I mean, yeah, the offensive line. line. And, and that's what I kind of wanted to ask you about that, Danny is, do you think he's somewhat even gun shy back there? Uh, even when he does have a little bit of time and some it looks, and I'm not a scout and I'm not, I don't have an eye for these kind of things, but just from watching it, it looks like even when he has a little bit of time, he's getting some happy feet back there. Is that, is that a result from potentially not used to getting much pass protection? It, it very well could be John. And, and it's something where he's, he jumps back there and it's either he's looking at the line to make sure no one's coming free and trying to tackle him or he's down there looking, you know, looking on um, downfield, trying to find a receiver. And one thing I've noticed with fields is, it, and then this, this offense is, is a rhythm based offense. It's one, two, three, get the ball out of your hands real quick. And there's a couple of times he kind of hitches and he doesn't just let, let go of the football. And maybe he just doesn't want to create a turnover. He just want to be really, really cautious with the football, but there's going to be times now or he's going to have to just, just kind of rely and 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 let the offense do its thing, right? And I know the playmakers aren't what, you know, other other guys have out there in the NFL, but you're going to, have to just have to rely and, and make sure at least you're doing your part, getting the ball to to your to the receiver in time. And by holding on to the football, you know, too quick. Again, when you look at all 22s, there are times where you see he's not going through a complete progression because A, he doesn't have time, or B, he, he's, he's gone one, two, bam, he's found, he found a guy, his second, your second read in the progression hasn't gone through his third read because he just wants to get rid of the football i think that's what they're preaching to him right now is, is get the ball out of your hands quickly so sometimes you see him not even go through a full field progression but uh you know whatever it is it's not on justin fields it's not just on the on the playmakers and it's not just on the offensive it's it's the whole thing combined it just doesn't look right and and the big indicator to me that this that this coaching staff does not trust this offense was right before the half guys a minute and four left right before halftime I, i'm sure you guys touched on it at the halftime uh show but uh you know, a minute four left with three timeouts, and you don't even try 
and get yourself in field goal position. Now, I know we hired our defensive coach, and defensive coaches are always, by nature, conservative. But that's not today's NFL. And, John, great point. You know, you go up against the Buffalo Bills, you're not going to want to win this this type of offense. You're just not going to do it. You can't score enough points to keep up with these, you know, with these high-power offenses. So, you know, whatever needs to go, you know, needs to get fixed, it needs to get fixed fast. Now, you're lucky enough where you're facing the Texans, you're facing the Giants, you know, two teams back-to-back where, you know, you could pound the ball down their throat, you know, and and maybe get get away with 20 points or 17 points and get a victory if your defense comes up big, makes, you know, turnovers. So, you know, that, that's what their, their schedule kind of gives them here early on in the season. That's why I think, you know, this next game as well versus the Giants, you know, could be a win, could be a loss. You know, the Texans thought this game was a win for them as well, possibly coming in here too. So um, this is just one thing is you just got to work through these through these struggles here early on. I know it's frustrating for the fans. I, I know I know we're quick to jump off. We want to see, you know, action right away. We want to see the points on, on the board right away. But we're just going just to take some time and just preaching patience, patience here. But I know we've been waiting for a long time for, for, a, for a high power functioning offense in Chicago. Just got to get a little, a little more time here and see what happens. At, at least give these kids, you know, fields and the rest of the offense. Like give them at least midfield, midseason. Let's see how they progress. So, gentlemen, some of my instant reactions today who I saw step up personally was Nick Murrow, somebody who just really showed up at the point of attack, something that Roquan didn't do so much last week. But today, Nick Murrow and Roquan Smith at the point of attack of tackling the defender when they had the ball was like super, super key. And, gentlemen, we are now 12-0 and when Eddie Jackson has an interception. <laughs> I don't know how long we can hang our hat by this, John. But it works. But, but, it, but it's working, John. Your thoughts on Eddie in the secondary? Uh, I, I think that the secondary is um, – it shows what we thought it was going to show. It's going to show ups and downs. And there's going to be some big splash plays, but there's also going to be some some busted-up coverage that you see from Kyler Gordon every once in a while. But uh, you see the potential there. And you see, uh, you see not just the secondary, but the defense in general swarming to the ball, always punching at the ball. They're they're making the they're making ball runners very uncomfortable whenever they're getting through. They're they're trying to be oppor- uh, opportunistic there. So um, I think that what we saw today is what we're probably going to see for the majority of the season. Hopefully, much better towards the end of the season where. You're going to see some turnovers, and they're going to be they're going to be ball hawking, but there are going to be some busted coverage. Whenever you see Davis Mills was able to use the middle of the field a little bit uh, today, whenever he did make some of those longer throws, so um, I'm excited about the secondary. Uh, I think Eddie Jackson probably is much more comfortable in this system and with this coaching staff, and hopefully getting back to what he does. And I think Jaquan Brisker is a big addition to allow him to do what he does. Uh, so. Uh, it would have been a lot better to have Jalen Johnson out there today, but given the circumstances, uh, they they held their own. They they did what they had to do. Uh, it's not like Davis Mills lit them up. It's not like Davis Mills is going to light a whole bunch of people up. But they did. They they held uh, Davis Mills to 245 yards. He was 20 of 32 for a touchdown um, and, and two interceptions. So um, they did what they they did what they had to do. Uh, obviously, some things to clean up, but excited about the uh, excited about the potential. John, I'm with you, and, and and going along with that, I feel like Kyler Gordon also had a bounce-back game. I wish that pass oh, to, the media, um, to, 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 to the flat, um, just in terms of um, ball awareness, in terms of when the, when the game is on the line. I mean, because, John, my, my, John and Danny, my thoughts is throughout the first 40 minutes, it's done. It's 2020. It's four minutes left. We're either going to win or we're going to lose. How are we going to react? And um, Kyler, Kyler Gordon – um, Brisker, we saw. I saw their attention awareness. That tight end was left open throughout the course of the game. 
and that's what kept the Texans in it. But Kyler Gordon had alerts on the ball and said, hey, they're checking the flat. I wish it was a pick six because that would have been super ideal and every Bears fan would have went crazy. But Danny, just your thoughts on Kyler Gordon. I mean, just in terms of tackling a little bit better and being at the point of attack. Right. For, for me, I, I, I disagree on, on that, on Kyle Gordon with you, uh, Tyler, because I, I think he's struggling. He's a rookie and, and he's getting, you know, baptism by fire. And, and uh, you know, again, we, we saw missed tackles. We saw him getting juked. We saw him, you know, just get turned around and and, uh, and, and uh, pass defense as well. So, I, again, for me, at least from like I've said this multiple times, he's playing out of position. He's not a nickel corner, but the Bears are going to try him there initially. But, you know, uh, so for yeah, for me, the, the, the struggles of Kyle Gordon are continuing in week three. That was a nice play. You talked about the in terms of the uh, where he's coming off off a, off an edge there as as a as a blitzing defensive back uh, shows that that you know his awareness there to get his hand the ball up you know his hand up bet the ball um, and, and make a, make a big play there so uh, that, that that was a good play there you know he needed a positive play I tweeted out I, I go that was a positive play that Kyle Gordon needed to have just you know, when he's when he's going through a film session tomorrow because he's gonna see a lot of negative plays he's seen a lot of negative highlights the last in his first three weeks but that was a you know that was a positive for him though. The one thing to me, though, I was like when I saw that Jalen Johnson was out today, I got concerned because I even though it's Davis Mills, Davis Mills still put up some decent numbers last year. He's still a, a young quarterback that's developing. And I thought for sure that the Bears are going to get thrown, you know, uh, the football thrown on him, you know, um, throughout the whole entire game. But, you know, hats off to Jalen Jones, man, the, 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 the rookie who came up there and just stepped up. And, you know, you never heard his name really called throughout the game. And that tells me that they weren't even going at him. So and proof of the pudding is, is they're, they're actually going at Bill Dorr and they were going at Cal Gordon most of the game there, too. So I think I think one time they threw out that a guy where Jones came up, made, made a play on him and made a tackle on him. But, uh, you, know, that, you know, hat tip to, the, to that kid, because, again, I, I thought he was going to get picked on all day. But. You know, maybe maybe it was the the fact that it was the Houston Texans again that uh, and they didn't kind of identify that guy as, as a weakness and went after him. But uh, you know that that's that's one thing there. But yeah, Kyle Gordon's got to get much better. The only thing that I saw about Johnson, they called a flag or holding on him, which I didn't think was a holding pretty much at all. That was kind that was kind of ticky tacky. I thought that was on Vildor. Was that on Vildor? No, it was on Johnson. Was on Johnson. It was on Johnson, but like it was no, it was no holding. I didn't see. I did, I did not. I did not. I remember that play. It did did not look like holding. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I literally didn't see anything. But um, gentlemen, um, let's go, let's go back to the offensive line because Danny, you touched on a couple of things because I saw this too. Justin does not seem settled to me. And then I'm like, is this what they're seeing in practice, or are we are we seeing opposite what they're seeing in practice? Justin looks unsettled. He got tripped up four different times himself or his lineman and then he's throwing he's then he's overthrowing receivers danny i'm with you it's his first year first year first year mentality i'm with you they um the seahawks did the same thing with russell wilson his year they just ran the ball non-stop and threw it every, like i think they the seahawks threw it once every six plays they would let russell throw until he got acclimated to it is that what you see here with justin because i believe in the kid he has the talent i'm watching this man after he makes a mistake how he is on the sideline and he had his opportunity. I'm um, coming back in, but do you see us as taking it slow with his development? Yeah, I mean, the you know the Russell Wilson comparison is that's a good one because, but I was expecting that to be happening last season. That's what I thought nagging that we're going to try and do is trying to bring about, but obviously that's not not the case. But you know that's what they're doing here now, and that that's why I, th I think they're they're trying to bring him along. The, the the concerning thing is is just the 
the, the what looks like a, a lack of confidence or just not being you know uh, himself back there in the pocket when he, when he's asked now when he's actually run out and, and and make plays as just a natural athlete you see the talent right you see him making throws on the run you see him you know breaking tackles and getting first downs I believe busted was a 29 yard run there in that first mm-hmm. quarter so you know stuff like that is what you see and what gets you excited and then it gets the offense moving so you know he adds that dimension. But 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 we're trying to trying to get him in that pocket and make him more comfortable. And then there's times where just one, two, he's he's just either holding on to the ball too long, not getting it, getting rid of it in time, or you know he sees that his guys downfield are not open. His first or second option, he's he's just trying to get away, buy some time. And next thing you know, he's either running himself into a sack or he's running for for a short gain. So I I just think the the, the just getting it into him where. You know, one, two, three, bam, ball's got to get out of your hands. And I think some of these quick hitting plays, like the screens, like the slip screens, you know, um, some of these that they try to do in the second half, I think that's only going to help them get the play, you know, the, the ball in the hands of his playmakers and let them make things easier for him as well. So, you know, this is just to be a constant development uh, for me. And, I, and when I see him, and, and I think when he, young quarterbacks, guys, are going to struggle, right? We all know that there, there's a learning process. You know, some take it quicker, some come in and, and, and they're ready to go right away. Some just kind of have to be brought along. And I think right now with, with fields, with the coaching change and all that stuff, I think we're just going to be a little, little bit more patient with them. Just let, let you know, we want to see him improve. Definitely. You know, today's numbers were what? Seven, four, I think seven for 18 or something like that for 106 yards. I mean, that's not going to win it. That's not, that's not going to be good enough. Right. And week in week right. out in the NFL, I think eight for 1700, 106 mm-hmm. yards were his, were his, uh, his total. So, you know, uh, yeah, more than 11, 11 pass, you know, pass attempts, but still 17 is, isn't something that, that you're going to, you know, hang your hat on week in and week out. So it's just going to be a constant process. It's going to look ugly in the beginning, but like I said, I, I just want to see constant improvement. So we'll see if that happens. Danny, I, I'm, I, I, Danny, that makes sense. And I'm with you. And real quick, I just want to shout out everybody in the chat. Bears Nation, we appreciate you all spending your, your, your post-game victory with us. And we all want to say a special shout out to the man, the wizard behind the scenes, Aldo Gandia, with the ones and twos, making it look easy for us real quick. But everybody in the chat, what is the number one thing you're most excited about? Put it in the chat so we can see that come up. And then, Danny, to your point, Josh Allen was considered a bust his first two seasons with the Bills. He was overthrowing receivers. That's what Bills – this is from Bills Nation. I mm. watched the Bills the past couple of years, and they were saying he was a bust his first two years. And so Sean McDermott came in. They got things together. And so Justin Fields, we, we, I don't want to – I'm not comparing them, but, yeah, I can because if this is his rookie year with a real coach, respectfully. <laughs> respectfully sure. with a real coach, John. I mean, can we just – can we just – Faith and patience. Do we are we are we are we so much in for gr- instant gratification? Are we, can we just win with this right now, John? Look, I, I said this earlier in the week. Uh, I knew what my expectations were for this team and for the quarterback and for some of the skill position players heading into the season. Uh, but it doesn't help. Uh, it doesn't do a it doesn't do a damn thing at the day of the game because you still want your team to win. So you're going to you're going to get emotional. You're going to get angry. You're going to be critical because when you're in the moment, you still want that team to win, regardless of what your holistic expectations are for this team. Because I was pissed off when they lost to Green Bay. I, I, no one, including myself, really had that as a win uh, going into that game or going into the season. But the fact that they lost. We're still angry. We're still going to be critical. We're going to be uh, we're going to be victims of the moment, so to speak. Uh, but whenever we're able to I want to be able to look at this, you know, 11, 12 weeks into the season to get a better idea of how things are going. And, and to be honest, one of the most interesting storylines to me now 
is depending on how severe David Montgomery's injury is. Khalil Herbert now has his chance to showcase his talents to the Bears to say, I can be the number one guy. I can be the workhorse. I can be the showcase running back. And if Montgomery's out for a significant amount of time, comes back maybe at the end of the season or, you know, in four or five weeks. But Khalil Herbert has six, seven games of great tape. Does that are they does that basically seal David Montgomery's fate of per, perhaps not coming back to this team next year because they feel like they can get it done with Khalil Herbert and then they can find a number they can find a number two to be behind him so I find this very fascinating just from a storyline uh, perspective because David Montgomery's a fantastic running back I love David Montgomery but if the Bears in the way that they're looking at things now where they're saving money and they're being frugal and they're going to spend money in very targeted areas. If they feel like they can get very similar production from Khalil Herbert on his current contract, they're probably not going to give a lot of money to David Montgomery to come back next year. So I find this to be a very interesting next couple of weeks, depending on the severity of David Montgomery. If he's back next week, then we're not having this conversation. But if it's something severe or at least moderate where he's going to be out for a number of weeks, and then Khalil Herbert has a nice long audition and Ryan Poles has a nice long look at uh, at Khalil Herbert to say, you know what, we're going to roll with him in 2023. David, appreciate appreciate everything you've done, but we're not going to pay you six, seven, eight million dollars for uh, per year for you to be here. So I find that to be a, a pretty interesting storyline as as the next coming weeks come, because, you know, they're going to run the ball. You know, you know, they're going to run the ball and you're going to you're going to get a very good sample size of Khalil Herbert in that number one role. John, I think that was a gruesome injury because it was the weight of the lineman was on his back heel, and you've seen him stretched over. You just hope nothing's not torn. And if anything, you hope he doesn't have a broken ankle. So our prayers to David, who was running very hard. He was our only bright spot of the Packer game. My question was going to be to you guys, do the Bears do the same thing we did with Cohen? Um, do 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 we still show him love? This is a contract year for David. Right. No, not a single gripe, not a single ounce of selfishness. I'm here for the team. It will take care of itself. I think Dave will be will be more easy to say, hey, I'll take what you give me. I want to stay here. Give me another one year deal to prove myself. But Khalil Herbert, I mean, we're talking about 150 plus yards here with two touchdowns the first time in his career, which honestly brought, brought a spark in my opinion. And so, Danny, what are, you, what are your thoughts on that running back situation? Oh man, I, I I love Khalil Herbert and and uh, I I love Montgomery as well. And I, and I said that the the Bears running back room was one of the, the, the you know the, the deepest and, and most talented on, on the on the team. And if, and if you know you don't want injuries, but if you know if there was a, a a position that could sustain an injury to the starter, it it was the running back room because right? I'm I'm in just a, a big time like I said believer in, in Khalil Herbert. Uh, I'm I like Ebner as well in terms of what he provided in a preseason. Today he got a little bit worried with him. He wasn't he too wasn't kind of hitting it full speed. It was kind of going there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it was kind of like slowing. Down. I'm like this this guy's got four three one speed and, and when you know he's got to be able to hit it and hit that gear and, and go. But hopefully that's something that that will you know get better with him. Uh, but yeah, I mean, and like, like again, I think Herbert's is, is a is a heck of a backup, and I think he's gonna. Like you saw today, he, he's a guy who can carry the load and, and be a be a future back. Um, you know, very good out, out of the backfield as well. So uh, they, they might have to go pull up someone off the, off the practice squad or, or, or bring in a veteran just to be a, a third string if 
uh, Montgomery is, is, is out for, for what appears to be a, a very long time. So I hated to see him go down. Uh, but in terms of future, yeah, I mean, I mean, you gotta be honest, right? This is, this is a business. And I think, you know, running backs are guys you just can pluck in the you know third, fourth, fifth round. And you can bring guys in, you know, Herbert is a prime example there as well. Ebner is an example there as well. So uh, I hate to see a, a guy like Montgomery leave just because of the leadership, what he brings to the, to the locker room and all that stuff. But, you know, after all, it is a business. And I see that the Bears, are, I, don't, I don't think they're going to invest. Even if Montgomery went through it the season, you know, uh, injury free, had what, you know, a, a good good year. I didn't see them making him a priority to bring him back that just that's just me right uh so uh, just because of the, the position he plays so we'll, you know we'll see how it goes hopefully it's not a long-term injury hopefully he comes back this season um hopefully they resign him i mean i like I'm, I'm a big david montgomery fan i just you know we'll see what he wants and what the market asks or details for him to get so uh, but yeah but the running back the running back situation is is, is one where I, I felt confident that if the star did go down unfortunately uh, I, th- I think Herbert would, would be a nice backup and and fill in, and I think he just proved that today. Definitely not just a business decision, but the Bears will have tons of cap space mm-hmm. um next year, which I think was in David's um favor. But David just seen David just being a, a good guy didn't seem like to pay me top five when he know he hasn't produced like a top five, but like pay the man for what he's done because he has been one of our bright spots in my opinion. And so, but hopefully he heals up, and I have full belief in um Herbert would get it done. But um, gentlemen, um, Cole Komet can catch the ball. It's amazing. Who 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 would have thought? And so NFL today would tell you he's not Kelsey. He's 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 not these other guys. And we all know that's not what he has shown us to be. Um, I like Cole Komet. He's a good guy. He's been very very patient. He's been blocking his butt off. How cool is it today to see um him get a couple catches, and John? It, no, it's great to see him get going. And, and uh, I have always had moderate expectation for Cole Komet just because I, I I wasn't, all full disclosure, and you can go back to listen, I wasn't thrilled that they used that pick for a tight end to begin with. Uh, but, I, but I, of course, wanted Cole Komet to produce and be that number one guy. Uh, but he's, I think, Danny, you've said this on a couple of occasions, he's just not built to be that, you know, Travis Kelsey or George Kittle kind of guy where he's going to just be a vertical type of tight end. Uh, is he, so um, for me, he's more of the chain mover, secure the mm-hmm. catch, get that six, seven yard reception, maybe get a couple yards after the catch, but he's your chain mover. He's going to be your possession guy. And if your possession guy's dropping the ball, then that's even worse. Uh, so that's, this was it was good to see him get going uh, a little bit today. Uh, two catches for 40 yards. That's that's encouraging. Moving forward, hopefully get him a little more involved. Um, that that ball that was uh, that the I think it was the first field's pick was intended for him uh, in the middle of the field, so they were they were targeting him. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I think that you need something to build on. So I think this was probably the right. The, this was a good performance to build on. Uh, but like like I've said, like we said in the past, it's not like there's a ton of balls to go around anyway. So it's not like we can expect. You know, out of Justin Fields' eight receptions, that you know, seven of them are going to Cole Komet. Like, there's just there aren't that many to go around at this point. Just like there, there isn't the the whole thing with Darnell Mooney. It's you know, he's he dropped that one screen, which I'm I hated because I thought they had an opportunity to get some real yardage on that play, and that's a thing that you want your number one receiver to catch. Uh, but there just aren't that many balls to go around right now. Uh, I would love for them to really suck the defense in by running the ball. And then there has to be, there has to be an opportunity with a guy like Darnell Mooney with that blazing speed. There has to be some opportunities for him to get vertical at some point. Uh, it looks like Matt Eberflus is at the podium. So we'll just go to him. Um, nice job there. And obviously the, the play that he was doing 
work that ball all the way in. When it's below your waist, that's a, that's a hard catch because the ground comes into your vision, and you really got to work that all the way in. And we work on that. He did a great job of focusing in on that and making it get in uh, to set us up for the game-winning field goal. But uh, I will open up the questions from that. Yeah, David Montgomery uh, is good. Um, he's going to be day to day, so that's a positive. So we'll see where he is tomorrow. We'll really reevaluate it from there. But uh, it's a positive for sure. Is it his knee now? It's lower leg right now. So we'll just look at it. Uh, and again, there's a couple things going on there, but we'll look at it. Matt, the obvious question is your young quarterback has to feel trouble today. How do you instill confidence in him after a game like that? And how do you help him bounce back? Yeah, I just think that it's when you're when you're working with a young quarterback in a new offense, I think that the people around them have to be solid and have to be good. So that's important for us, meaning that the protection has to be good, the run game has to be good, the defense has to be really good, okay? And special teams, we gotta be awesome. And what you do is you support that quarterback while he's growing and while he's going through this. And there's gonna be good, there's gonna be uh, things that he has to improve on, but that's in the whole football. Football can be like that. We all watched the game, we all saw it. We need to improve. Just, I thought we took a step in the right direction, improving our football team from week two to week three. And we're going to have to continue to do that. And we're a young group, not only a young offense, we're a young defense. We've got a young group across the board, and it's about being technically fundamentally sound. Like, for example, on defense, we said we want to improve. All right. Classic um, Bears audio. Class of beer side of you. Yeah. And so so John, the real quick quick positive was David, that that was that was a relief. I thought it was worse. And so yeah. it looked like it, it may be just his ankle. But um your quick thoughts on David Montgomery being day to day. Well, we saw that we've seen this from David Montgomery before because uh, was it two years ago where they thought that he could potentially miss like half the season and he still showed up game one and started playing. So we know that he's a bit of a he's a resilient uh, he's a resilient player. So he that the fact that he could be back sooner rather than later uh, doesn't shock me. Um, if he's back next week, that would be very surprising, just given what I thought I saw on the field there. So, uh, but this is a guy that wants to play and he runs hard and he's uh, obviously in phenomenal shape. So we'll, we'll see what that, that, that is a, that's a great relief because um, you'd much rather have Montgomery and Herbert running the ball, splitting some of the carries uh, rather than just putting it all on Herbert and then uh, eventually, you know, getting six or seven carries uh, to Ebner. So um, I think that's, that's, that's a, that's a great sign, uh, but we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see as, as the week progresses, how if he practices, how much he practices, and if he's going to be a game-time decision when they take on the Giants next week. Absolutely, and um, it's such a, such a freaking relief. And if you're joining us in the chat, we're breaking down the Bears. Victory tomorrow is a victory Monday. Everybody can go to work feeling happy. And if you're joining us right now, we got Danny Shimon, our draft analyst scout expert and so i'm um, joining us with you and so um danny just just your thoughts now on the bears moving not only moving forward i do want to continue to break down this game but it's better to fix things after if we would have lost this game it would have been pretty bad yeah. it would it, it, it would have been pretty bad it would have been like tear the whole thing down what are we doing it's it's a rebuild it's not but danny just just i guess if you want to talk about luke real quick on luke's um consistently to stay with the run today yeah, I mean, guys, I mean, if you sit here and you listen to some of these people in our, in our chat today, uh, and we appreciate all of our fans, but I mean, you, you'd think the Bears Bears lost today, but you know, they actually they actually won, guys. I, I know it wasn't pretty, and I know everyone's, 
you know, jumping on Justin Fields. He doesn't look like he's the, uh, you know, right now he doesn't look like he's like the wild old, old machine, but guys, it's, it's a process. And and to me last year, we're, we're sitting here, John, you, me, Tyler, we're yelling, run the ball, run the ball, get the ball to Montgomery. And, and Nagy was back there having Fields throw, you know, 40 times against Cleveland with, with no, with only five man protection, getting sacked nine times. So, so it's it's we have a, a team now we have a, a play caller that believes and run the football and I, and I said coming into the season I go I go don't look at what he did with Green Bay look more so where they the Titans kind of built their offense because they remember um, the head coach of the, of the Packers came from Tennessee and then obviously Getsy was underneath underneath him so you know you got you got to look at running the football everything is built on that play action their 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 passing game downfield is going to be off the play action and they're gushing guys now with with uh teams now with the running attack so now that should coming next coming couple weeks here you should see some more play action passes downfield then when you go to play action all right is justin now getting the protection right justin getting protection back there in the pocket is he he's getting receivers downfield getting open so that's where now you got to get to that next level because i i think once you've established yourself as a running team now you can use the play action game here to your advantage now the next element comes in now right a pringle leaves today injured after one play you know dante pettis has done nothing really in terms of providing anything on offense you know uh st brown made a couple nice plays but he's not really a deep threat you know the biggest deep that we have is is darnell mooney right now and he's not doing anything in terms of you know getting open downfield at least we're not seeing any attempts to him downfield you know valis jones is a rookie that brings that speed that power we haven't seen him on the field yet for the first three weeks so you know are are they going to go outside the organization bring some guys in or just kind of rely on some of these guys getting healthy and gelling you know and kill harry is he coming back after four weeks or five weeks you know after that ankle surgery so you know how this offense progresses uh, specifically that that passing attack is is what we're going to be kind of keying on here and and i agree with what coach I, i know the audio wasn't greatest there but uh you know, he did say that it's it's just it's everything around the quarterback. It's not just him. And we've been trying to say this. And I know people here in the chat are jumping on me here saying he's not a rookie. I'm not saying Justin Fields is a rookie. I'm saying I'm treating him like this is his rookie season because of what he went through last year. So I'm I'm gonna see, I'm gonna wipe the slate clean with him. I go, this is his first, you know, first campaign here in Chicago. And now he's being coached up to be an NFL quarterback. And that's what I'm trying to stress here to everybody. And again, I know patience is a virtue, right? Now everybody's gonna be patient. They they want to see, you know, Herbert came onto the field uh, as a rookie and, and lit it up. And you want to see Fields do that as well. But Herbert had, uh, you know, weapons around. He had Mike Williams. He had Melvin Gordon in the, in the backfield. You know, he, he had, you know, other receivers Keenan there. Allen. Keenan Allen. Thank you. Uh, you know, but he, he had weapons there to work with. He, you know, Justin Fields is coming in with, with a bare cupboard here, right? Nothing to really to work with. And he's trying to build, they're trying yeah. to build an offense around him here. So, you know, as long as you, you get a victory, that that's all you can you can kind of root for. Now, obviously, you, the rushing game is is working. Keep going to it, and then build from there. Build play action, rollouts, all that stuff we've said, you know, uh, previous weeks. Guys, yeah, Danny, you're right, bro. I was trying to ignore it, but like guys in the chat, chill out. Like we got the freaking win. Like we we we, we got the freaking win. If you mad about Justin Fields, imagine how New York feels about Daniel Jones. They're just winning. Okay, Daniel Jones was the first round pick how many years ago? Like faith, faith with patience, just like Danny said. And so when Dak came into the league, Dak had his offensive offensive line had over 150 million dollars in the offensive line and Zeke in prime condition, not eating 50 cheeseburgers later, respectfully. And so at the end of the day, Justin is Justin is coming in now. <laughs> Justin is coming in learning with these new guys. Come on, guys. At the end of the day, we're two and freaking one. We're two and one. 
one in one 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 win in each conference, which is great going against the Giants team that I feel like we can get a win on. I mean, we got we know Debo's coming from the um that Bills tree and everything. It's going to be aggressive. It's going to be a lot of um um Barkley and all those other guys. But Danny, to your point, it is his Justin Fields rookie season because in terms of learning and an offense that's actually competent, so to speak, and how to actually maneuver and all all love all that not love you all that Matt Nagy talked about last week was did he throw just under the bus and he couldn't read defenses or something like that last year and so at the end of the day our coaching staff this year is actually grooming him to be in a proper position to do something going forward that's my personal opinion and so but John real quick your thoughts going forward with the offensive line because at this point I'm like yo St. Patrick take the freaking glove off because is Sam Merciford starting to sputter right now well, I, I think we've seen what we've seen from Sam Mustafer. I mean, he's he's. I, I think that he is what he is, and he's a average to below average center, I would say. And then, and uh, Danny would probably know better than I do, but I'm just using the eye test on this. And uh, as as far as the patience thing, listen, I know it's. Trust me, I'm right there with everybody. Where I'm tired of hearing about next year, and tired of hearing about how they could potentially be something in two years. I mean, they haven't. They haven't. You know played in a Super Bowl in, you know, what, 16 years or 14, 15 years. They haven't won a Super Bowl in almost 40 years. The patience thing is, is wearing thin as far as preaching patience. But in this instance where we were pretty well aware that this was going to be a rebuild year, uh, and if you're able to, you know, if you're able to build on six, seven, eight wins, then, you know, that, that's you got to feel good. But, uh, yeah, it, it, in the moment, it's very – very difficult to just be like, okay, whatever. We'll just let it. We'll just let it progress because we've been trying to let things progress for decades. Uh, and your and why? Why should this situation be any different than the other situations that didn't pan out? So, uh, I mean, you got to have hope that it's going to. And moving forward with the offensive line, eventually, you you think that uh, Lucas Patrick is going to be at center, uh, and then Tevin Jenkins will be your your starting right guard. And so, uh, I, I'm just I, I'm wondering, and I just because I don't have this the scouting eye that Danny has, but how how much is uh, how much of a difference is there between how well this team run blocks and how poorly they pass block at times? What what is what is the the key ingredient to the fact that they can they can bulldoze the line of scrimmage, but they sure as hell can't keep uh, Justin Fields upright at times? Well, offensive linemen love to run block because all you do is you, you you come big powerful men come off the line of scrimmage and you and you and you pull your guy or or you're, if you're going you know east or west or if you're going north and south, you just you know get into get your hands get your body into your defender and just move them off their spot. Pass blocking is a little bit more, you know, a little more uh, athleticism, athleticism, if you will, to be able to keep your feet, keep your balance, you know, stay in your posture, keep a guy in front of you. And I think just right now where, for example, like Tevin Jenkins today was blowing guys off the line of scrimmage. A couple of runs I saw, there was a couple of times where, you know, he was getting you know pushed back and, and pass, pass protection. So, you know, they're, they're the prime example, not to pick on Jenkins specifically, I mean, Borm has, Borm had his struggles as well in pass protection today, but he, I saw him make some nice run, you know, run blocks down the field as well. So, that's where now you know offensively you can run the football. Now is not get those five guys in there that can help pass block and keep keep uh, Justin Fields upright, give him some time. You know the one thing I, I keep on harp on here is, is is guys like and Tyler you touched on before and I've touched on it before. You know Josh Allen was was being booed and and talked about as a possible bust in Buffalo. What happened? They gave him an offensive line. They gave him weapons. Look look at Josh Allen. 
Tua Tagovailoa was talked about being a bust was what's benched for Ryan Fitzpatrick, a career journeyman, right? In Miami, they, they gave they gave Tua an offensive line, they gave him some weapons. Look what's Tua doing this year, right? Uh, Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia. All, all these examples you can see of, of guys just just kind of working on, on on themselves and getting better themselves, and also their team around them getting better. I think that's what we're trying to point to here. Is is we all know that the team around Justin Fields isn't what it's going to be hopefully in a year or two or three years from now, right? So let's just give him the opportunity to kind of build and get those rookie mistakes, if you will, um, those kinks out of there. And then, and then now as he progresses his his game, as he gets better, the talent around him, offensive line, receivers, tight ends, so on and so forth, is getting better and better. Then you'll see this offense click. I'm not saying it's it's, it's going to be this way the rest of the season. I hope it's not because it's hard to watch a passing game that, that can barely get the ball down the field. But I, I just think they're going to be taking incremental steps as opposed to these big, huge leaps that we're all kind of wanting and, and, and expecting. Gentlemen, and then, Danny, you actually remind me of something because – and I want to ask both of you gentlemen this question. What is it about slot receivers? Once they do great in the slot, some of them, they have to be a number one wide receiver. And so for everybody in the chat who was like really down Allen Robinson last year, I mean, we had some Olin Cruz, we had some like Hall of Fame people talking about how he was dang near chastised it last year of being taken out of the offense. And we were sold that Darnell Mooney would be our clear cut number one wide receiver. And what I tweeted out about, tweeted out about a couple hours ago, but everybody wants to be the number one until you're expected to be the number one and you have number one coverage going on you. And when you brought up Josh Allen, Danny, my first thought was Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley was, was Josh Allen's wonderful scapegoat those years. And then, but that allowed Josh Allen to develop. You bring in Diggs. And then now Josh Allen is just very comfortable in his mindset. And so what I'm saying is Darnell Mo is dark. But my question overall for that to say all that was Darnell Moody, number one, number two, number three. I mean, it doesn't matter what, what, the, what the number is because he, he's out there taking the best coverage, John. She had mm -hmm. she just be in the slot and we should have tall guys on the outside because I'm actually excited about the dude, Harry, the 6'4", former number one wide receiver taking a draft by the Patriots. I'm kind of excited about that because of physical frame. Is Darnell Moody playing out of position? I, I don't it's <laughs> a loaded question because I think that he is uh he as of right now he's not showing that he he's he is a number one receiver, but once again, how many passes are up for grabs throughout the game? Now he made a he he uh he dropped that one pass and I'm not gonna keep harping on the drop of the screen, but I, I, that's just a, a play that you want your number one guy to make. And if you have a if you have a guy with his speed uh, which I believe he's a four-three guy coming out of Tulane. That if, if he's if they're able to run the ball well and you know run and roll out on play action, you would hope that he would at least once a game find some separation where it's not where Justin Fields doesn't have to just put it in a tight pocket and it's right there. You would hope that Mooney can create some separation for an easy throw downfield. Um, and we really haven't seen that yet. We saw it to Dante Pettis. We saw it to Equinemius St. Brown, but we haven't really seen it at Darnell Mooney yet. Uh, so there, there's just been some hiccups there where I don't know I don't know if it's if he's out of position, if it's the fact that he has the the other team's number one cornerback or what it is. I, you would think after all the hype that he and Fields got for the their building up chemistry through the offseason, that this was going to be uh, just a, a really good tandem, and they were going to be able to, to you know throw the they were going to be able to connect multiple times throughout the game, and that just has not happened yet. Um, and so I'm 
I, I, I guess that's a that's a very roundabout way of me saying I don't know what the hell the, the problem is, but there <laughs> there definitely there definitely is one. Maybe Danny can give us a little more context on that. Well, to answer your question, Tyler, no, Donald Moody's not a number one receiver. At best, at best, he's probably a, a good number two receiver. But if you put him on on some of these high powered offenses around and around the league. You put him on Philadelphia, he's the number three receiver. You put him on Minnesota, he's your number three receiver. You put him on the Rams, he's probably number three receiver. You put him on the other Cowboys, even with even with Gallup coming back from an injury, you rather have CD Lamb, Michael Gallup, and then Darnell Mooney, number three. So Darnell Mooney is not a, not a number one receiver. Like I said, at best, he can probably become a, a probably good to you know, very good number two receiver, but right now he's not. And and if, if they're, they're trying to sell us, he's a number one receiver, but he's we all know he's not okay. Um, so the but that's the thing is that's a goes here and proves that what feels and this offensive coaching staff is working with it they're working with receivers that on a lot of teams would be number three number four receivers and we're busting out there as number one number twos right pringle was brought in here he was a number three or four with the chiefs last year we're brought in here we're thinking oh this guy's going to be a possible number two to donald mooney so you know we're elevating guys because of the lack of talent we have on offense we're elevating guys that are you know average to, to decent players to Make them into these, these positions where they're going to be, you know, these these week in and week out game records. You know, I'm not saying they're not going to have good games here and there, but they're not the consistent number one receiver that, that you're looking for. And that's what that's one thing that they're going to have to go out and get, along with some offensive linemen and maybe another another tight end that can stretch the, the middle of the field and all that stuff. So there's so much to build on this offense that I think what they're again trying to do right now is just get the basics in, get it something established here, and then now just kind of build from there. Do you guys buy into the? Do you guys buy into that report that they're going to possibly trade for somebody? Or they're probably going to trade for a wide receiver at the deadline because I don't know. That seems like it would buck the trend for Ryan Poles to to sacrifice draft assets to go get a guy midseason. But maybe if they're really concerned about the development of Justin Fields, they think we need to get we need to bring a guy in right now that can contribute. Now I don't know if they'd go out and they'd get like a name because I don't know if there's anyone that's actually available for trade who's a really good receiver on a good team who's gonna part with that right. in the middle of the year. Yeah. Uh but I I'm, who's who's to say that they couldn't get a, a a legit number two in uh if a team is struggling and they're looking just to acquire some draft assets. I have no idea who they go after, but I was I was wondering if you guys actually buy into that that they could be players at the trade deadline to bring in a wide receiver. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of. My question, John, is who, are they, who, and what are they giving up? Is it Tevin? Is it Tevin Jenkins? Please don't let it be the first or second round pick. It'd be Montgomery. It, it could, it could have been. It could have been um, Montgomery, but or the guy, or the it's a Galladay and for for the Giants. Oh, let him get released. Be, that contract sucks. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so, but I know him and the Giants haven't been seeing eye to eye. In that front office, what I don't want us to do coming to offseason is overpay for people like Christian Kurtz, who I feel like it could be an asset, but I don't want to pay those astronomical prices. Um, Danny, you, you, like John said, your thoughts on who we're going after? Yeah, I mean, uh, do I believe the report? Not really, because John, like you hit it, man. Because like, who are they gonna get? Who's out there right now? What team is? Hey, you know what? I have too many receivers here. Come, come get one for for a seventh round pick. You know, like no one's gonna do that right now. So, it, it's you know, again, who is gonna be available? If it's a guy like Galladay, again, John, I I I agree with your sentiments. That guy's gonna get cut. You know, he's just asking to get cut, and then you can probably pick him up for for cheap because, and you don't want that contract. Plus, Galladay's had has had not been able to stay healthy either. So, you know, again, who is it gonna be? Who who are you gonna bring in here off the streets that's gonna be better than what you have right now? That someone that's already been in your program through OTAs, through training camp, working with your quarterback, and you know who's who's going to come in and give you that spark right now, right? So I I, I took I saw that 
rapport and I just kind of took it with a grain of salt. I'm like, ah, that's just someone just trying to get some clicks or just someone putting things out there. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not buying into that at all because I would rather just save my draft capital, go draft myself. Some of these receivers are coming out of right. college. You know, if, if, if there's a, if there's a, I can't think of the top of my head and there's a, if there's a top or two or, you know, like a legit receiver in terms of free agency, a veteran to go and no, sign. But again, Tyler, you, you hit it too there. I don't want to give guys, big time contracts for something that, that they've already done. So that's why for receiver, I like to go get these guys in the draft because you see a lot of these young college receivers coming in now making an impact immediately as as rookies. So that, that that's the route I would prefer to go save my draft capital and just you know come April draft you know my receivers in the draft. Yeah, the the free agent market is pretty bad going into the offseason. Uh, it's uh, I think I, I don't know I, off the top of my head. I think the biggest name I saw in there was maybe Alan Lazard, and I think that that would that's I don't think you're going to overpay for that. Mm-hmm. Now, if they want to if they want to go the route where they're looking for a disgruntled wide receiver who's trying to get off the team, and they can get away with you know trading two thirds or a second and a third and bringing over like Mike Evans once uh, Tom Brady retires and he doesn't want to be in Tampa anymore. Dude's already got his ring, so maybe he's going to come somewhere where you can get traded and get extended or right. uh or any a number of the t higgins i think is going to be up for a new contract at some point uh, uh you know calvin ridley who knows if he's in the he's in the long-term plans with the falcons so if they can get one of those guys in uh then maybe you make a trade i certainly wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't want to lose my first round pick because at this point it could be relatively high uh and so pairing a established veteran and then maybe drafting a wide receiver in the first round uh the the kid's name out of Ohio State keeps – help me out, Danny. You know him. And Jigma Smith. Yeah, yeah. They maybe go out and they get him, and then Mooney's your three. Then all of a sudden you revamped your wide receiving core pretty quick. Uh, but I, I'm not sure exactly if they're going to – I don't know what move they would make in season that would make anything better because I don't think anyone who has a good uh, receiver right now is prob- to spare is probably a good team, and they don't want to start shedding assets whenever they're probably going to gear up for a playoff run. Right. And then, and then, gentlemen, I don't want to give up assets to go get somebody. We're not going to freaking throw it to. Like, what, what, what's, what's the what's the point? Definitely not draft capital, Danny. Thank God you said that because they'll go with draft capital. Because if you're not going to throw it to the guy, don't bring somebody. And then not, because if you're going to do that, at least can we just see you try to throw it to somebody right now? Who's getting our 50-50 balls right now? We're not even getting that. The run game is looking great, and that's perfect. But when the balance that we're looking for per our coach is enough balance to win the game. And so Bayless Jones Jr., um, our man from the Patriots, when they come back, let's see what You're we here. got. Yep. Yeah, I, I like the kill. I, I think he had I think a new scenery would do great for him. And I think um Bayless has incredible speed. The hamstring is very iffy. These soft tissue injuries can take like six to eight weeks. I am a medical professional. <laughs> so, but but that but that being said. That's a good Danny, point, though, just, Tyler. Dan, Dan, yeah, go ahead, Danny. That's a good point because th- th- that's who I am looking forward to seeing come on field. I'm, I'm seeing, I want to see Vales Jones in this office. I want to see that that big play element, that speed element, what he brings. Again, he's a rookie, but he's a t- multi-talented rookie. He can do a lot of things. You can handle the ball on those some of the, that jet sweep today that that they gave it to uh, St. Brown that he got a good gain on. If that's Vales Jones, who knows? He could break it maybe for for a touchdown. You never know, right? That that element of speed that he brings is something I want to see. I'm intrigued. I want to see on offense. You know, and Kill Harry I, again. I know he's a guy, a first round. They're considered a first round bust, but he's he's a big body receiver, right? He's not a guy that's gonna create separation from a cornerback, but he's a guy that's got the size and the frame that can stretch outside his his, his frame and and reel in a catch. So even if he's covered, he's really not covered. So you just tell Justin, hey. 
If he's got one-on-one -on -one coverage, throw it up in his in this area. Let, let's see if he goes up and makes a play. You know, that's the kind of receiver you need right now. Someone where where you know he doesn't have to write precise routes to get open. Right now, with guys like Darnell Mooney, Pringle, and some of the other guys, you know, they have to win. You know, at the line of scrimmage in terms of the release, get into their, their routes and then create some of that separation and be able to get, get positive plays. And right now we don't have a receiver. We can just throw it up to, Hey, go up and make a play. And, and next thing you know, it's a 20 yard gain in a first down. So, you know, that's the things I want to see what and kill Harry brings. He might be a bust. I mean, we never know, but it's, it's a gamble I think worth taking. Right. Mm -hmm. And again, Vilas Jones, that speed, that, that big play element, that's what I want to see more so than going and getting someone's number three or number four receiver from another team and giving up draft capital. Mm -hmm. Nikhil, Nikhil Harry was with the Patriots and two seasons later asked for a trade because he was being asked to just block. This is a guy in college, Danny, you could probably confirm or deny. He was a red zone target. He was getting touchdown passes, and this right. guy was like fighting for the ball in college. Nikhil yeah, he's Harry a physical guy. He's physical he's at the catch point. He's a guy you can just, like I said, throw it up there. He'll go up, he'll, yeah. he'll battle all defensive defensive back and, and win the football. That's what he was done in college. At, at, but the Patriots, he actually improved his his run blocking downfield. So that's an element we, we don't talk about a lot is his ability to, to block downfield for whether it's a Montgomery, whether it's a Herbert. You know, that's something that, that's going to be positive here as well. So, again, a lot of positives that I think could possibly come from an Enkeel Harry being inserted back into a lineup. We'll see. I uh, I do have I don't have many sources, but I do have a few, and one of them is in New England. And I got I kind of got the 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 rundown of Nikhil Harry when everything went down, and it was more along the lines of, don't expect him to be a game breaker, don't expect him to get any kind of separation. He's truly struggled trying to run some of those longer routes. But if you bring him in and you're trying to go up top, and he can go up and get some of those 50-50 balls. And that's exactly what the, the what the Bears kind of need right now. And uh, they were very uh very they gave a very good report on his run blocking. Like you said, Danny, <laughs> incredibly good run blocker. And that's the kind of guys that you know they have brought in, the guys who are good run blockers. And so uh, it just this is, I was just say this is a guy that like you said probably fills a hole as far as go up and get it kind of thing. And right. not, he's not going to break he's not going to get a 50-yard uh, gain, but he is he can go up and get it if he's in the red zone. It's so it's so comf it's more comfortable for a quarterback knowing that you, if you have a big guy there on the on the outside, as long as he got one on one coverage, and if nothing else is going good, just throw it up to the guy, throw it up, and let him go up and make a play on the football. He's six four, like yo, yeah, like he he's, he's six four, and then, and in the especially in the red zone, I mean at least a play action. I mean that, that gives Justin at least a couple options, Danny, right? Right, exactly. Just throw it up there with him and Cole Komet. Again, I, the fact that Cole Komet's not a, a red zone target, maybe because the team isn't really good in the red zone, but it's, it's like, you know, you put him, you put it in Kill Harry out there. I mean, you got two big guys, you can just throw the ball up there and help them and they'll go up to make a play on the football. What was that stat Gentlemen. we heard? What was that? What was that stat we heard in the broadcast? They in the red zone. They are inside the ten. They run it like what ninety two percent of the time. Ninety two percent, and then the the league the league average is forty two percent. The Bears are ninety two percent. That's pretty good. <laughs> Again, guys, look at look all the negative stuff we're talking about. No, but they won. Yeah, they're two and one. Yeah, two and, and, they, and they have and they have a real opportunity to be three and one three next and one. week. Exactly. They have a real opportunity to be three and one after and. This will be probably my last question to everybody is if they go three and one, do you think people will finally get off their backs about being the worst team? Like, no, I don't really. know what I don't yeah. know what kind of axe to grind that Bart Scott has calling them a CFL team and calling them not a professional team. Like, I don't know why it's like this, this thing is like, let's pile on the Chicago Bears. Like, what are the, it's not like the Chicago Bears were like really, really good for a long time. And now people are reveling in the fact that they're not good. Like, 
what is what is with this like all of a sudden let's go after the Chicago Bears when I I, I think the Texans are a worse team and I think since they since the Bears beat them that can kind of prove that I think the Seahawks are a worse team I think the Falcons are a worse team and I hate like I said I hate having to go or I hate having to go over the teams that the Bears are actually better than or who's worse than the Bears but at the same time I don't understand this just national narrative where it's just like head and shoulders above everything else. The bears are clearly the worst team in the NFL. I just don't understand the, the, like what, what's the, the train of thought there. Whenever you have a team that runs the ball down everyone's throat and they're going to try to keep it close, they're going to be there and potentially have the opportunity to be three and one after next week. Right. And they're, are you still going to call them the worst team in the league? Like without question, number one overall pick, Chicago Bears. How can you possibly say it's just, that? Right. It's just lazy. Yeah. It's just lazy theories. And it's it's the fact that the Bears got rid of talent players, name players, and then bring anything in to, in to replace them. Everyone's thinking, oh, they're tanking. They're trying to they're trying to get a high pick and so on and so forth. So they're going to be they're going to be a, the worst team in football. Well, no. So so the Bears, what they did was I, I knew coming in, the Bears were not going to be the worst team in football because, like you said, the Falcons are, are pretty bad. The Seahawks are pretty bad. I mean, they're, they're, I could rattle off a couple more, more teams. I mean, hell, when I, I love the Steelers, but, I mean, right now with, with Trubisky at quarterback, I think the Bears could beat the Steelers as well. You know, so yeah, you know, so it was. So the Bears are not the worst team in football. They're not going to be the worst team in football. They never were in my mind. So I think it was just a narrative where they got rid of all this talent, didn't replenish the talent with any big names, and they're just tanking. And I think that that's what they're, what they're everyone this this lazy uh, narrative that the media kind of took on nationally. But again, they're they're just always wrong. Danny, the three people and, they talk about the most though are Allen Robinson, Akeem Hicks, and a Khalil Mack. Mm-hmm. Allen Robinson, what are you replacing? What, 30 catches last year? 35 catches? Exactly. That's, what that's what they're replacing? But, Akeem but, Hicks but, was but, out but, for a long but, but time. Khalil Mack missed, what, 10 games? Right. So it was, what it was you, just what is, name recognition. It was just the, the name that they were replacing, not the production. Right. But not the production, but, Al, but Allen Robinson, what we're seeing this time is the attention. Allen Robinson is, is a proven receiver to get 1,000 yards. I mean, Mr. B, him and Mr. Bisky, like, I th- first of all, shout out to Mike North. Shout out to Mike North and the Early Bears um, special show um, every Sunday morning, game day. Um, Mike North, if go, go back and listen to the show. Mike North and Aragondia, he hit it on the head. Sometimes when the Bears feel like they got it, sometimes we just go away from it. Um, Allen Robinson and Metrobisky actually had something. And the, the following year, we literally alienated Allen Robinson from the wide receiving tree, period. And that and Bears fans actually accepted that. And Bears fans started to believe Allen Robinson sucked. And, and, and we were fine with Darnell Mooney. Mind you guys, go back to the tweets. The, our Bears fans said we're better off without Allen Robinson. Darnell Mooney can handle it by himself. So what that what that what I'm saying with that is we have to be careful what we ask for because when, when teams start to prepare for you, it's a different ball game. You can add RG3. Very, 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 very clear and simple once the, the, the defense is already prepared for you. But, John, real quick, going forward, the Giants, this is a team just like us preparing. This is a brand-new coach. This is a brand-new coach over there with the Giants. Um, Saquon Barkley has saved his coach with a couple late runs. They had some last bad-minute decisions. The Giants could easily be um, – they could be over. But he started mm-hmm. off 0-2. Um, what are your thoughts about the Giants, John? I think that's a winnable game. Uh, I think that the they're, they're probably going to look at some of the Bears tape and start stacking the box and really try to see if they can make Justin Fields throw the ball more than 15 or 20 times in a game. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, I think that 
uh, the, as much as the, you know, the Giants, you know, playing well, their margin to victory is incredibly thin. I think it's like they won the first game by two, second game by three, and then we'll see what they do on Monday Night Football. Uh, but I, I don't think that this is a game where it's just like, oh, man, there's no way they can win. No, this is a very winnable game. And I think they, could, they, they should be able to continue running the ball and running the ball well. Um, like I said uh, uh, earlier, though, eventually – there's going to be a game where you're going to have to throw the ball a little bit more. And uh, I don't know if it's going to be against the Giants. I think that this is a, probably another game where they can probably just try to control the ball and keep it close and make a big defensive play and maybe get to Daniel Jones a little bit uh, because it's it's not like they have explosive, you know, out-of-this-world receivers. They have some talent over there with uh, is it Slayton and uh, Kadarius Toney and the, even the Wandell Robinson, I think, is the rookie that's over there. Uh, mm-hmm. So, I mean, they, they have some – they have some nice players. And, and then, of course, Saquon Barkley being the centerpiece there. But uh, I think that this is a very winnable game. It might be ugly again. Uh, it, may, it may not be exactly what Bears fans want to see. And it may it may look pretty crappy at times. But that's how they're winning ball games right now. So right. Uh, we'll, we'll see if uh, I think that you're probably going to see a pretty similar blueprint going uh, going into next week against the Giants that we saw uh, today against the Texans. And then I think that that will have to change dramatically when they have Minnesota the next week. But I think that uh, they're probably going to have a very similar game plan. And then, Danny, I actually I kind of ask you both. Um, as Mike North also said, and I saw myself on national TV, we saw Pittsburgh Steelers offensive linemen getting picked up and slammed um, on Thursday night football, literally. And if, if Justin Fields had Mitch Trubisky stats right now, we wouldn't be upset at all. We would actually take that in terms of um, – in terms of wide receiver to quarterback connection. But Danny, against the Giants, they're definitely gonna run the ball. They're definitely gonna run the ball against us, Danny. Are, are, we, are we staying true? We don't, let's just, let's just say David Montgomery's not playing. Cause we have to come, if that's a, if that's a reality. Um, Danny, what do you see? Did we do enough today to take a step forward in our passing game next year? Excuse me, next game. No, I mean today. Today, for me at least, there there was no stuff forward in the passing game. It was is more just kind of you know stuck in mud, right? You know, not not not. Yeah, I didn't think they went backwards. I mean, there there were some some nice plays we touched on earlier with with the with the throw to uh, commit a couple of times. You know, there, there were some some nice plays there. There was a nice play where uh, I like the way Justin Fields kind of you know used that three quarter arm angle going back to his his baseball days. You know, kind of got that ball out of there, found that passing lane, and get that 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 first down. I believe it was to to Mooney, if I'm not mistaken. So. Uh, you know, they, you know, there are some some pluses there as well. But you know, with with the Giants in terms of the, you know, the the game plan, again, you're a running football team. And you have to run a football down their throat. The one thing that does concern me is, is Wink Martindale, the defensive coordinator for the Giants, is a very aggressive defensive coordinator. So, if in passing situations, I, I would not be shocked to see them bring zero pressure on 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 Justin Fields, just trying to you know kind of rattle him early on. So, you know, if, if you're Getzy and the Bears, you know, do you kind of take that into account and say, all right, this could be a time where we kind of you know hit the ball deep and see what happens. So, those are one of the things I'm, I'm looking for early on with with that you know in terms of the Giants coming here next week. But again, Giant touch on it again. It's a winnable game, right? It's it's a team that. The Giants, that is, that's gone off to a two and zero start. We'll see what happens Monday night. But they're also a team that could be zero and two. They got the you know the breaks the, the first couple of weeks as well. So we'll see how that how that comes up. But they're they're going to be coming off of a short week. The Giants, that is, the Bears are going to have a whole, whole full week of rest. Uh, I, I don't expect Montgomery to be playing this game, so I think it's going to be a, a heavy dose of Khalil Herbert again. Um, and I, I just you know I just want to see progression here with the with the passing game. And again, this is a defensive coordinator that that's going to bring. Heavy pressure, I believe, on Justin Fields. So, you know, are we going to be prepared to be able to attack it and and, and make some plays downfield? I think this is where 
you know, guys with you know, if Vales Jones is available, that'd be huge to be able to get that speed back on the field. Maybe just throw a ball down the field and, and see what what he could do up with it. You know, so um, I just think you're gonna have to start making these defenses play. You know. Uh, back a little bit because all, all they got to know is like, all right, you guys can't throw the football. We're going to stack the box and make you throw it. And until you actually beat them with the pass, they're not going to, they're not going to back off, you know, in terms of stacking the box. So uh, this is where now we're going to see where Getsy and, and the offensive staff gets creative here, hopefully with, with what they have on, on offense. Um, Gentlemen, real quick, um, before we wrap up here, who are your players of the game? Offense and defense. I'll give you one each. Like um one each offense and defense. Who were your who were your playmakers? Who who showed up that you didn't expect? John. Well, it, it, I'd be. I mean, it's Khalil Herbert on offense. Yeah. I don't know how. I don't know who else you could possibly give it to, uh, unless you're just going to be really creative about it and just you know go go real deep. But it, it, Khalil Herbert, obviously. And then I once again, there's a you know there's a few people you could go to on defense, but if Roquan Smith is just obvious, you know, just like 16 tackles and kind of a game ceiling interception that allowed the bears to, uh, to, to win the game there whenever things were looking a little dicey. Uh, so, I mean, I'll, I'll cop out and take the most, two most obvious ones. Now, if you could, you could probably, you could probably pick a few other guys, maybe on the defensive side of the ball, but uh, those, those are my two. Yeah. I mean, I, I for me, I got Khalil Herbert, hands down he's he's a guy who stepped up when, when government went down had 157 yards rushing at two touchdowns a career high um and defensively obviously roquan was all over the football field I, th- I think if anyone was questioning roquan last week after the packers game this is the roquan smith that that we all come and expect and love and i think you know a healthy roquan smith is, is what you're going to see in this this is the type of defensive impact he can make from that weak side linebacker position. These are the wild plays that are eventually, if he continues making these plays throughout the season, is going to get Roquan that contract he's been trying to get from the Bears. If not from the Bears, then some for sure will give him that $20 million plus dollar contract because these are the type of impact plays you want to see from a weak side linebacker. So, uh, But if just to kind of not to go with, with Roquan there, Eddie Jackson, man, uh, I, I I knew he he had an interception. He, he came up, made some nice tackles. Um, he had that fumble. He caused that fumble that, that unfortunately the Bears couldn't couldn't recover early on in the first half. So I think the Eddie Jackson I've seen these, these first three weeks is the Eddie Jackson I've been trying to see for the last two years. Right, these guys up there making plays. Uh, I think Tyler touched on it earlier. Whenever the Bears, whenever Eddie Jackson has an interception. In a game, the Bears are what twelve and zero, I believe. That's that's the record. I don't know. So I mean, to show you the kind of impact this guy can make. So just to kind of go off of uh, obviously, Rokon had a great game, but I think just a, another guy in defense that kind of maybe went a little bit under the radar was was Eddie Jackson. I think he had a pretty good game. There was a series or two where he was out of the game, and DeAndre Houston Caution was in there. So I was like, oh, did he get injured? I didn't see anything being mentioned on TV, but then he ended up coming back. So hopefully, it was just maybe a equipment malfunction or whatnot. But uh, definitely, Eddie Jackson gets my game ball on defense, and then. Um, Khalil Herbert. Amen. And guys, I asked you that question on purpose because I, I Roquan Smith has had a game for me. But Danny, to your point, I feel like Eddie, outside of that tip drill interception, I feel like Eddie had a great, like, it was a game, it was like last man defense um tip drill, tip um pass deflects on it. I think it was a tight end wide receiver on um on the third right hash. And he literally saved it. He like swooped in. I thought he picked it off. He came through the through the camera so fast. But Roquan Smith, what did he do for his contract today, Jen? Before we wrap things up, John, like what did Roquan Smith do? This is a man saying, hey, I'm going to better myself, mm-hmm. just like Lamar Jackson. And then he could have said, hey, I'm not playing. I don't feel well. I'm going to choose my health over playing the game. But he went out there. He battled with his teammates. I saw Roquan Smith make tackle that he clearly missed 
against the Packers. I mean, I saw Roquan Smith going at the guy's legs in the backfield. What did Roquan Smith do for a contract, John? Uh, see, I, I I know that it's it's real trendy. Like like when Lamar Jackson had his game last week, he's like, Lamar Jackson just made a ton of money. It's like, well, they don't negotiate right after your best game. That's very, it's very rare. That's just, it's not how it happens. This is a business. They don't wait until your stock is as high as it could possibly be and then say, hey, let's start talking about your contract. That, that's just, I don't necessarily see that happening. So. Is he maintaining uh, his resume that he should be paid that much? Today certainly helped, uh, but I think they'll start looking at this thing holistically whenever they whenever they start open up negotiations, whenever that may be, could be after the season. I don't know what the deal is with that right now, but uh, uh, it might, most likely will be after the season. But um, this certainly maintained his uh, his reasoning of why he wants that amount of money. But the Bears the Bears aren't going to be like, well, you played really well in week two. Here's that 25 million. So they're gonna. I think they're probably gonna look at this thing uh, a little more holistically. Uh, and once again, I hope he's with the Bears. I think he's a, a phenomenal player. It's not. It's not easy to go find a, a linebacker that can do that kind of stuff. And even if you let him go, then you have to replenish it with a with a draft pick. So uh, they, and they have the they have the space, uh, the cap space to wrap him up for a while, um, depending on how they want to spread the money out. So um, it certainly helped his cause, but uh, let's, let's not think like, oh man, he cemented his, his, uh, his salary today. Cause that's not, that's not really how the business is done. Well, well games like this definitely help his cause. And I think the more he has, the, the more it's going to go, you know, towards online him being rewarded. I think Tyler, what helped his cause already was the way he's he's already taking care of himself in terms of how he's acted once he's once he ended his hold in and once he the way he was with the coaching staff the way he's with his teammates you know he was never one of these guys that kind of went out there and spouted off I mean I know he requested a trade uh, and then that was that one thing at during training camp but after that after he that, that was all part of negotiation after that was done he was all all you know hands on deck he was business as you, I think that's really uh, appreciated by the coaching staff and by his teammates I think that's kind of helped ease the way in terms of you know if there was any sort of tension with him and management i think that kind of helped ease some of that tension and now again you put on performances like this week in and week out i think he's going to be a bear for a long time that's my prediction i think they're gonna lock him up after the season gentlemen i completely agree lance briggs nominated to go to the hall of fame he he played that will side he played that same will side when everything funnels to you and we see roquan benefit from that same kind of action today and if I'm a business owner, I want to, I want to lock him up before his stock gets higher. What if Roquan has 16 tackles every game, the rest of the game? You see what I mean? And so, or like, flip side, Tyler, like, but Tyler, on flip side, what if he has a Packers game every week, the rest of the week? You know? I mean, you're, I mean, you're, I mean, you're right. I don't know. Yeah. You just gotta know. let it play out. I think you just gotta I mean, let it play out for theirs. I mean, but 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 on but on this notion, the um once called Redskins, now called Commanders. They could have locked up Kirk Cousins for $15 million a year, but they said that was too much money. But then what happened? He ended up balling out under Kyle Ch- under Shanahan for 4,000 multiple seasons. Then the, then the Vikings gave him four. You see what I'm saying? And so at the end of the day, you got to lock people up before. Under Armour signed Steph Curry to a deal before he was the MVP of the NBA. That's all I'm saying. I think it's easier I, to do that. I, with, I, I think, think Washington won that one, though. I think Washington won because you could now you be stuck with Kirk Cousins for, as your quarterback for the, all these years. I think Washington won that one. I don't know. I mean, I think it's know, easier I, to do that. I think it's easier to do that with quarterbacks, uh, just because you can you you know they could be around for the long term. I mean, those high collision positions, you're not guaranteed a 10, 11, 12 year career always, and we've seen 
And you're not always guaranteed to play 17 games either. We saw it with Khalil Mack. We saw it with Akeem Hicks. These these were guys who were top five in salary on the Bears roster, and they were missing games. Uh, and you you don't always, and with all the rules in place to protect the quarterback, it's safe to assume unless something serious happens that you're you're and you're probably going to get the majority of the year out of your quarterback. So you're going to get your your money's worth out of that. That's not as easy with some of those defensive players who are constantly clashing heads and banging heads. And, you know, they could miss three, four games a year or at least two to four games a year. And then are you, are you, is it worth the 20, $25 million you're investing in the position whenever the backup's in? So, I mean, I mean, just my thoughts is for us, I'm, I'm just hoping John, we sign them so we don't create another need like Danny. Oh, I agree. Said, yeah, I agree. Having, having our assets available at um, this coming off season, our draft capital. I don't want to create another hole. I, I I want us to attack the um hopefully maybe Danny, I don't know, offensive line, um, nose tackle in the draft, wide receiver in the draft. Those were that's where my thoughts are. I don't want to have to create no. I don't want to have to get another we might running back, I, I don't want to have to create more holes to go get. And right. so that's why 100% I hundred percent agree. Right. He he does his job, he he's he he loves his teammates, he's respectful, he's nice with the media. You know what I mean? Like why why replace it if you don't have to? Yeah, that's, and that's, I, I'll make this one because just to, to bolster your point, because I 100% agree what we've seen the problem with this franchise be in the last four five, six years is they have to keep putting band-aids on their poor decisions. So, you know, mm-hmm. they don't, they don't think that Trubisky thing's working out. So they got to go get Nick Foles and then Andy Dalton, the uh, Leonard Floyd, they let him go. So they have to go get Robert Quinn. Uh, um, uh, Kevin White doesn't work out. So eventually you got to go get Allen Robinson. Adam Shaheen doesn't work out. So you got to go pay Jimmy Graham and then draft Cole Komet. So you're never actually able to, to address the positions that need addressed because you got to go put band-aids on all of your screw-ups. So if they're able to actually keep some of those big-time assets in place, then they can go address the offensive line. They can go address wide receiver. They can go address some of those areas that they need instead of always trying to put band-aids on their screw-ups. So uh, I I agree that Roquan should be here because, once again, I don't want to have to invest draft assets or free agency into a position that's already sewn up. We don't, we don't, we don't necessarily need to, you know, go uh, put a bandaid on that. That, that's that. There's no wound there. That's Roquan Smith. So uh, I would, I, I would agree that I would like to see him back. Absolutely. Right. Just because I'm watching real quick, guys. Just because I'm watching the uh, red zone here. You know, everybody talks about Herbert, how how great he's been. I just see him throw a touchdown pass to Michael Williams, where, where the defender was was draped all over Michael Williams. Okay. There was no, if you had looked at, at that play, there's like no way you're throwing a ball to that receiver, but Michael Williams goes up skies and makes a great play for a touchdown. Justin Herbert gets, gets credit for a touchdown, but see, Justin Fields doesn't have that luxury of being able to right. do that or that playmaker on the outside to throw the ball up there and have him score a touchdown for him. So th- th- those are the key things here. We don't look, just look at stats and what the kid did in his first two, two, three seasons in the NFL. Look at what he has around them as well. And just want to end on that but, real quick. But, but, but Dan, that's a good point. But, and then, Remember, Mike Williams, his first two seasons, he wasn't getting a lot of love either. Mm-hmm. They were saying they, they were calling Mike Williams a bust his first two years in the NFL. It's because of he was injured a lot. That that's the thing with him, is he was injured. He was. Yeah. He was. He, he was injured, but when he played, the the their fans called him a bust. Like sure. they, they said this guy, this guy's not available. And so it just goes to show you, you know what I mean? Like every, Take some time. We, everybody, everybody wants it now. <laughs> we, right. we, 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 we we all want it now. But um wrapping up, um, Danny, starting with you, brother. Final thoughts, what you're working on, anything you want to talk about, brother? 
final thoughts, man. A, a win's a win. I know it was ugly. Uh, it, it wasn't. It wasn't as as pretty as, as someone wanted on offense. I think Justin Fields just reading some of his comments after the game, and like he, you know, the thing about the kid gets it right. He's not up there saying you know, putting up you know flowers and all this roses and saying hey, everything's great. He says he goes. He played like crap, and he knows it. And th- but this thing, this kid is determined to get better. You know, last week he got flagged for some some clip that they took out of context about him and saying about the fans. I, I total BS. You know, that's total BS clickbait there. And ever fell for it. But he came back and said, "Listen, guys, I was pissed last week. I didn't want to do the post game interview because I was so upset about the way I played." You know, again today he says I, I, he's taking accountability. He's saying I'm not playing well. And this kid is determined. Just just going back to his high school days, his college days. Whenever he's challenged, he rises to that to that challenge. Just, I just I implore you, fans, do not give up on this kid, right? Do not give up on this kid because I'll be like the the jet type coach. I'll be keeping receipts. I'll be keeping receipts on everyone's giving up on this kid, and I'll be I'll be coming back hard at you guys. So just listen to me. Do not give up on Justin Fields. It takes some time. It's not pretty right now. I I have faith in this kid. I have a faith. It's gonna get prettier as the season goes on and as his as his career as a Bears uh, Bears player goes on. Two and one with a chance to be three and one next week. Uh, I think if they're three and one next week, I think all three of us are going to be you know excited. Even if it's an ugly win, a win's a win. And like I said, Matt Eberflus this first year is just trying to trying to establish that culture, trying to get that winning positive attitude coming here in, in, in this organization. I, I do have a, a, some some questions about Eberflus's, uh, um uh, use of timeouts or lack thereof and in the first half. Hopefully, I know we didn't get his audio here. Hopefully he explains that because that's something that really bothered me. Uh, so I, I want an explanation in terms of why that he went that route. Uh, but other than that, it's a win. It's two and one off to, off to New York next week. Hopefully we come up three and one. But Danny, real quick, because that's a good point. Real quick. Sorry, John. And so, but um. We talked about defensive coaches being um, conservative. We we saw Lovey Smith as fake punt. We saw we saw Lovey Smith do the fake punt, <laughs> and, and and then we were conservative. So you're right. That kind of threw me off. I didn't expect Lovey to do that, gentlemen. No, I mean, it is what it is. We know what I mean. It, 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 it was it was very similar play style, very similar. Uh, <laughs> it just it, you know what you're going to get from Lovey Smith teams, and you know what uh, it, it was very similar to what the Bears tried to do today. Just we we know Lovey. I respect Lovey. Uh, he was a, he was a great coach while he was here. Uh, and to your to your point, Danny, um, can you imagine what would happen if Justin Fields would have said, "You actually the fans care more than we do." <laughs> so that that would that would yeah. yeah. So that would have, it would have created a much bigger story if right. he said that. Is I, I like the fact that he was actually pissed off about it because it wasn't like when Rex Grossman uh, blamed New Year's Eve for that one loss they had that one year where it's just he was distracted because it was New Year's Eve. No, I want my quarterback pissed off because he lost, and I and I and I appreciate that. So. Uh, I'll just roll into my my final soliloquy here. Uh, so it was a it was an ugly game. They won the game. Uh, it was not aesthetically pleasing, uh, but you know there were plenty of games last year that were aesthetically not pleasing that they lost. So they they won this game. They're two and one with a chance to be three and one. Just saw a report that uh, that uh, Darnell Mooney's out on the field with the jugs machine right now, catching balls. He's clearly not happy with his performance. Justin Fields clearly not happy with his perform- performance. We have a bunch of players that care. Uh, now, care, uh, caring only gets you so far, but it's it's the it's the it's a uh, it's a foundation that you can build on. It's a culture you can build on. So uh, happy that they won. Lots to clean up, but you know what? If you if you would have told a lot of people the Bears would be two and one after three weeks, they would have bet against it. Uh, so it's a, it's a good position to be in right now. I'd rather clean things up with a winning record than clean things up zero and three. 
So uh, it, it's just it's just things that you can keep building on. Wins, winning becomes contagious. Winning becomes a culture. You expect your team to win, and especially when you win and you have guys that are pissed off with their performance, I can respect that. So uh, let, let's keep moving it forward. There's a, a potential win next week uh, with the Giants, and uh, we'll go out and get it. Gaines, take us home. John, don't you got some shows coming up, brother? Oh, oh shit, man. yeah. Or, God, darn it. I have a show coming up. Uh, Wednesday, Buffon 55, uh, we'll be breaking down the New York Giants and how the Bears can potentially take advantage of some of those uh, cracks in the defense or what they can possibly do to uh, st- stop the juggernaut that is Daniel Jones or contain Saquon Bar- Barkley more likely. So uh, yeah. that's Buffon 55 live uh, at 7 Central, 8 uh, Eastern time. Uh, we always have a guest in that covers uh, the team that the Bears are about to play. Uh, and then Alyssa Barber Bieri and I will go through the B55 segment. Aldo Gondia joins us in the last segment to just have a free-for-all about Bears talk. Uh, make sure you join us either live or listen to the podcast version. Uh, we appreciate everybody that uh, tunes in for that. Awesome sauce. And then Darnell Mooney catching um, pass. Does, does he have a jug machine at home? Wasn't that the talk all offseason? So, bruh, how many jug machines do you need? I think that was in Florida, I think, wasn't it? Wasn't that when they were training in Florida? Yeah. As many as it takes. I don't care. <laughs> But um, um, tons of content happening here at the Barroom Network. Gen- ladies and gentlemen, we so appreciate you guys joining us um, here at the Barroom Network. Just give us a follow. Um, when it comes to all Chicago sports, we got you covered. Um, Bears, Sox, Cubs, um, Blackhawks, and definitely Bears. Um, we're going to have you covered. Um, shout out to Aldo Gandia, the man behind the curtain, doing a phenomenal job leading the troops. Shout out to the Bar Flight Tailgate Show. I mean, we know my man Laurel. We got the Bulls coverage coming up really, really soon. And um, it's, it's, it's been fun, guys. It's been really fun. It's, it's cool. I didn't know how I was going to feel like an hour ago. I didn't know how I was going to feel. I didn't know how I was going to like, it, it was. They said it was going to be quick. And so that first well, quarter kind of kind of dragged, right? Then the third quarter flew. Third quarter happened in about 10 minutes. I don't know how they, <laughs> I don't know how they got 15 minutes into a 10-minute span, but they did it. I mean, shout out to us staying consistent with the running game. That was pretty cool. But at the Barroom Network, um, Bear Football, we're here for you guys, win, lose, or draw every single game, halftime, and post game. And for myself, um, everything at the Barroom Network, we are here to raise up each other. I mean, um, we wake up with gratitude so we don't walk around with entitlement. Um, you all already know the Mombasa Kenya Relief Initiative. I will be traveling to Mombasa to Kenya this coming March. And um, we're helping over 3,000 kids get access to education, healthcare, and um, computer supplies. And so you guys can go to MRI.org, um, $50 sponsors a kid for the entire year and tuition. And um, if you're about those games, John, I do got a powerlifting competition coming up. Um, you guys can go check out gamesondeck.com. Um, I'm a Navy combat medic, so I believe in giving people healthy alternative, pre-workout, nutrition. I'm about that life as a nutritionist. But more importantly, have peace, love, and faith, and everything will work out. For, for, from us here at the Barroom Network, Alvin Gandia, John Buffone, Danny Shimon, we wish you all an amazing week. And no matter what, be great. Bear down.